Listener Production. Hey, Rihanna Patrick here with The Briefing and Happy New Year. Yes, it's a brand new sparkly year kicked off by stellar fireworks displays across the country. Now, I'll chat to the man behind the Sydney New Year's Eve fireworks about what goes into the biggest night of the year. Sydney Harbour is a great, basically it's a great canvas for fireworks. You have two iconic structures such as the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the Sydney Opera House. All that in the second half of the episode. But first, headlines from the Listener Network. It's Monday the 2nd of January. COVID travel rules return to Australia. Good morning, I'm Celeste Mitsu. Chinese travellers entering Australia from Thursday will be forced to produce a negative COVID test 48 hours prior to boarding their flight. Wastewater on international flights will be screened and COVID testing at airports will be reintroduced. It's been prompted by a lack of data from Beijing over just how many cases they have and amid fresh concerns of a new variant. Infectious disease expert Professor Robert Boy has welcomed the temporary measure. Probably tens of millions of people have had COVID. That provides many, many opportunities for the COVID virus, the Omicron virus, to mutate. There are grave fears for a missing swimmer at a popular Victorian lake. Rescue efforts will resume at Lake Ilden shortly after the man failed to resurface while swimming with friends late yesterday. A watch and act alert remains in place for a bushfire burning north of Perth. Lives and homes in the city of Stirling are in danger. Gyms will be a little busier over the coming weeks. New research revealing weight loss is the top New Year's resolution on Australians' minds. Many of us hoping to shed a few kilos. Experts saying we should be getting out for a range of physical activities, even on the holidays. Grammy winner Anita Pointer has died from cancer at the age of 74. She was the second oldest of the Pointer sisters, famous for their hits Jump, Fire and I'm So Excited. And the last of the cities around the world have welcomed in the new year. The Aussies will get a first look at the SCG pitch today ahead of the third test against South Africa beginning Wednesday. Coach Andrew McDonald says it will determine the final 11 but refuse to guarantee a fifth test cap for Ashton Agar. Depending on what the surface offers in terms of the balance of attack, it could be two spinners, two quicks. Now we could play a slightly more aggressive team with Alex Carey going to, going to six and, and play five bowlers. And Australia's tilt at the inaugural United Cup is effectively over after Great Britain defeated Spain, advancing to the knockout stage. The Aussies take on Spain next. It's become the way to ring in a new year, but also how to say goodbye to the year before. This year, the Sydney New Year's fireworks was big. And when I say big, I mean more than 35,000 shooting ground-based effects, 12,000 aerial shells, and over 100,000 individual pyrotechnic effects. So that kind of big. But have you ever given much thought to how a display like this, which is seen by the world, is put together? Well, Foddy International Fireworks are the people responsible for what you see in Sydney Harbour each year. Fortunato Foddy is the creative director. Fortunato, thanks for joining the briefing. What is the starting point generally each time when you plan a Sydney's New Year's Eve fireworks display? Yeah, look, it's it's actually a bit of a process in so far that um, the fireworks obviously have to be made and that's probably a nine month process just to do that. So we're generally ordering fireworks sort of December of 
the previous year to get in on so they can get in on time. Uh, the creative part starts around April, May, uh, where we sit down with the council and tell them what we're planning to do. And uh, the majority of the work gets done between September and uh, December. So we probably three months at the factory preparing all the fireworks, getting all the uh, equipment sorted, all the logistics involved in uh, getting all the people onto the bridge or onto the opera house or uh, onto the, the docks where we set up the barges. And then we start setting up on the 19th of December of each year and uh, we've accrued 50 that work over the 10 days to get it all ready. So it's, it is a bit of a process, but as you said, we've been doing it for a while and uh, the crew that we've got, it's a great crew and they know that uh, New Year's Eve happens on New Year's Eve and they have to get it done. Yeah, there's an end date for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't sort of say, oh, listen, by the way, we're running late, we'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said there that you, you know, you get to kind of have that planning stage of where you're going to launch these fireworks. And, you know, once you have an idea of those launch points, what then determines, I guess, the colours that you pick for the fireworks? And are you always trying to find a different colour or a different way that a firework explodes in the sky? Yeah, look, we're in a fortunate situation where, you know, I'm one of eight, nine family members involved in the business today. Uh, and being seventh generation. So it's been in the family for, for a long time. Our background is also in the manufacturing of fireworks. So we understand the process from the raw materials to the finished product. So we're able to do a lot of research and development to, to come up with you know, different colours or different uh, effects or you know, think of a better way to, to shoot the fireworks and look and uh, combine with the music to, to produce what we produce. So... Creatively, you know, the music sort of drives everything that we do to get the, the mood of the, of the fireworks with the mood of the music, not necessarily always hitting the right the, the exact beat, but you know, just uh, following the tempo and the ups and downs and the peaks and troughs to, to make it uh, look obviously bigger and better than next year, but uh, definitely better and more different. So, I mean, how big are some of those fireworks that are going up into the sky? Uh, the smallest one weighs about 250 grams. The largest one weighs about 10 kilos. So uh, there's various sizes. The, the, the burst radius, uh, which is what you see in the air, uh, they can vary from uh, 60 metres to 150 metres. So they do vary in size. They vary in colour. Uh, they vary in, in shape, depending on what, uh, what type of style of firework we're, we're using. Uh, there's obviously different styles of fireworks, such as... Uh, Palm style fireworks or umbrella or peony or chrysanthemum. Most fireworks are named after flowers. Um, you can find that uh, easy to believe. We look at the way and what creatively we can do to make each show unique you know, for people to enjoy. So, for as someone who has no experience in fireworks whatsoever, how does a firework work? And is there more than <coughs> one way that a firework has to be detonated? The manufacture of fireworks really in the process, the way it's been done, hasn't really changed much for for centuries. There's the basic way a firework works. Uh, there's you have a lifting charge on the bottom of the firework, you have a fuse that goes from the inside outside of the firework to the inside of the firework, that gets launched into the air. And as the fuse burns, it travels to its point of burst. And then uh, once the fuse enters the inside of the firework, it ignites all the internal powders which produce the the patterns that you see in the sky. So that's the, the short of it. It's a bit more complicated than that, but um, you know, we'd probably use 40 or 50 different types of chemicals depending on what type of colour or effect that we were trying to create. 
the shooting of the fireworks is all done electrically. So we have a firing system that enables us to shoot fireworks up to a hundredth of a second. So it, uh, it's pretty, it's fairly accurate. Uh, one of the things that I've always loved, Forch, about fireworks is sometimes the sounds that they make. So you've not only got the soundtrack that the fireworks are obviously going off to, but that sound that they make. And I, I wonder if, you know, when you're thinking about that planning, if the sound that a firework makes and the way that it can change depending on the fireworks is something that you also factor in. A hundred percent. You know, with the, there's fireworks that, uh, that whistle, there's fireworks that uh, crackle, there's fireworks that... Uh, of hum so there there are different styles uh, of fireworks and also that you know sort of leads into the depending on the type of music that allows you to use those and types of fireworks into the soundtrack so it gets merged as one we're sort of trying to create basically a, a dance in the sky for 2023 we saw the i think it was termed the uh, panorama of pyro what went into putting something like that together sydney harbour is a great basically it's a great canvas for fireworks you have Two iconic structures such as the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the Sydney Opera House. And then you've got them booked in with you know, various barges all around uh, around those areas. So you know, the, the footprints, you know, I think, almost uh, eight kilometres from one end to the other. And now adding in uh, uh, city rooftops, where you just take it to another level, different levels of fireworks, uh, different heights, things that um, you know may not seem... Too important at the time, but by doing that, you're you're expanding that footprint and making it more of a spectacle. I mean, most of us, when we are heading out to see fireworks, we're always checking what the weather's doing to know what kind of conditions we're heading into. But I mean, are there certain conditions that you're always hoping for on the night when you've got something like this happening? Yeah, look, fireworks can generally be done in any types of conditions. The, the only conditions that be you know with, that uh, become a bit uh, dangerous is when there's high winds. Generally, rain is not a problem. The best conditions for us is, you know, when there's a slight breeze blowing the smoke away from the uh, fireworks launch areas. In Sydney Harbour, you're surrounded by people. So it's a bit hard to try and uh, please everybody without a little bit of smoke. But um, it probably, you know, for us, it adds to the, to the whole thing. If you can't smell it, hear it and see it, it's not good. Forge, do you have a favourite part of the night? Look, I, I think for us, because uh, at the end of the day, we're entertainers. So we're there to entertain people. Um, fortunately, we were able to do it in in mass. So, you know, when you've got a million people around the foreshore you know, that are there to watch what you're doing, I think the end of the show and then you hear the roar of the crowd, uh, it's probably for us one of the best things because then we know that we've done our job and everyone's enjoyed it. So, yeah, probably that. Is there a particular firework display that stands out in your mind that was one of your favourites to kind of work on? Oh, uh, look, probably... You know, all, all the fireworks displays that we do, we try and make them unique. Um, but probably one of, that was more unique is um, the fleet review, the 100th anniversary of the Navy, where we were able to launch fireworks off four ships and we did it off seven of them. It was a first and probably a last, but um, so I thought it was pretty cool being able to uh, to do that. Uh, and that, again, all in Sydney Harbour, so they were spread out around the harbour and uh, plus the barges, plus the buildings, plus... Uh, a bit of the bridge. So, you know, it was one of those unique displays that probably it's one once in a lifetime job. Yeah, it's probably not often you get to fire fireworks off a ship. Yeah, no, no, especially uh, mili- uh, warship. It was, I think one of their policies is no fireworks, but they sort of made an exception for this one. 
Wow. You mentioned before that, you know, this has been a family business for a very, very long time. And I mean, was there any doubt that you wouldn't become a pyrotechnician? <clears throat> Look, we were never forced to to choose this path. Uh, you know, we're always you know, it's not pushed, but sort of said, you know, look, go do something else. Because doing what we do is not is not something that uh, you do unless you really do have a passion for it. You know, you, you're giving up nights, you're giving up weekends, you're giving up public holidays. So, you know, they, they can be long hours. But, um, you know, as I said, I'm seventh generation. My children, my brother's children are eighth generation. They're, three of those are in the business uh, now. So it's one of those traditions that's that's been around for a long time. And we hope that uh, it'll be around for a, a few more generations and you know we still have family back in Italy that do fireworks so we're pretty much global so to speak. Yeah well I was going to say I mean where have fireworks taken you in the world? Been to a lot of places uh, around the world we've done fireworks in Hong Kong we did the National Day in Istanbul and Turkey for seven eight years we've been to Canada America been to the UK we've been to a, a lot of places and uh, it's always nice to be able to go overseas and uh, show your art to other people around the world. And uh, we've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. And uh, hopefully we can still continue. Forts, one of the things that has played havoc, I guess, with New Year's uh, fireworks has been the pandemic. And what, I mean, what was the reality like of being a pyrotechnician during this pandemic? <clears throat> I think it for, for us, uh, and, you know, obviously we're part of the events industry and uh, the events industry suffered uh, fairly fairly badly over those two years. There wasn't a lot of you know, events on anywhere around Australia. So we had to uh, ride the wave until uh, we came out of the uh, pandemic. And you know, fortunately and luckily business has been good over the last 12 months. It's come back with a, a vengeance really. But I, I think uh, you know, it was hard for everybody and hard for us, but uh, we were able to get through it. And you know, hopefully we can continue and the pandemic doesn't come back anytime soon. And Fortuman, is there something that you'd love to do for the Sydney New Year's fireworks that you haven't yet had the chance to? Um, well, that's a, that's a good question. You know, we've launched fireworks from pretty much everywhere around the city. And, you know, we're always trying to think of uh, different locations and different ways to, to launch the fireworks from. Um, you know, for, so this year we're, we're doing it off four city rooftops that hasn't been done now for probably 10, 12 years. And as I said, that just adds another layer to the display and um, hopefully makes it a, a, a better spectacle. But, you know, we're, all, we're always thinking of where and what we can do. And uh, I'm sure uh, over the next 12 months, if we're successful with tenders, we'll be able to come up with something new. It's a very unique industry. We work hard, we have fun, but as pretty as it looks, it's also dangerous. But, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we try and make the most of it. That's Fortunato Foddy, Creative Director with Foddy International Fireworks, which pulls together the Sydney New Year's Eve fireworks each year. And as you heard there, an event which takes a ton of planning, also a lot of fireworks, but gee, it's it's pretty spectacular. That's it for the briefing. Catch you tomorrow. Listener.